0: Today on Bordock Times Multiverse of Marvel, we are breaking down Black Panther Wakanda Forever. If you haven't seen the film yet, stop listening now and check this pod out after you've watched the film. We are about to dive deep into all the spoilers. This is your longer than normal spoiler alert. Welcome to our Black Panther Wakanda Forever discussion. I'm Zach Perlstein, the editor in chief of the Bordock Times. Today joining me on this special episode is Richard Nebbins of The Direct. Richard, I'm happy to have you back on
1: yeah man good to be back good to see you and uh man do we have a movie to talk about this is i've been looking forward
0: to this one this is gonna be fun what a way to end phase four i mean that's that's my initial reaction just like what a way to end phase four
1: agreed completely agreed i mean i know it's not an avengers team-up movie or anything but uh we got i just can't wait to get into it um we're gonna have fun today
0: yeah just a heck of a film And to sum it up in the simplest terms, it's really just about Wakanda dealing with the aftermath of the death of King T'Challa and all these outside forces trying to take advantage of the most advanced nation on earth. Like that's the simplest way of explaining this film. But to me, if you had to like describe Wakanda forever in one word, I would say triumphant. What would you say, Richard?
1: I mean, you posed that question to me when we were getting ready for this. I have had so much trouble find, d- trying to figure out a word, but off the top of my head, just absolutely, j- just epic. I think. I think that's the only word I can land on. I-, I mean, the way this story was told, having to to deal with, I mean, obviously not only T'Challa's death in universe, but but Chadwick Boseman's death in real life. I mean, we knew this one was going to be a- an emotional roller coaster from the moment that happened and I just think they pulled together to me one of the best movies in the MCU um giving especially given the circumstances given what they put out it was incredible
0: I think so too I think Ryan Coogler had this monumental task of Mm. doing a Black Panther film without Chadwick Boseman and he knocked it out of the park and everyone involved knocked it out of the park
1: yeah absolutely I mean Ryan Coogler um, the whole cast—I mean, the the main four characters that were in there, the whole supporting cast. Um, just a shout out: Luwin Gordon made another incredible score. I mean, like I got a music background, and he did one of the one of the best scores in the MCU for Black Panther. Got an Oscar for it. We'll maybe uh, talk Oscar chances later. But just a spoiler alert: I think Lubuntu Gordon's going to be in the running again.
0: Um, I I think that's a safe bet as well. I yeah, tremendous <laughs> music, tremendous production design, just. What a world they've created with Wakanda inside the MCU. And I just hope it continues. But if we go to the start of this film, it just starts like what you said. It's instant heartbreak. It's like T'Challa dies in universe. And I don't know what I expected, but they handled this so tastefully. And it was just still such a gut punch. That whole scene with Shuri trying to save her brother from this deadly disease, but she's unsuccessful like just just so heartbreaking just what a scene
1: I I think they did that about as well as they could have considering how it happened in real life and it really was like a parallel to real life because literally nobody knew what Chadwick Boseman was going through uh, literally until we heard the news that he had passed away um, of colon cancer because he kept that so private and he only told like kept a really tight inner circle about what was going on it really felt like a parallel to real life. I mean, I don't know about you. I was in tears for the first 10 minutes of the movie, probably like up until the opening Marvel logo, which, I mean, shout out to that. I loved that it was like a little moment of silence for him. And obviously, they did the um, the Bozeman-centric Black Panther uh, Marvel logo again, kind of the way they did for Stan Lee in uh, in Captain Marvel, the first movie after he passed away, and how they did in um, – they redid that for the Black Panther lo- intro um On Disney Plus, also for the first movie, so I just I don't think they could have done that any better with you know paying tribute to to Chala's death and Travis Bozeman's death. It was it was really meaningful.
0: It was really meaningful, and just that whole opening sequence. You're right; was just it was heartbreaking, but it was also like the mourning of it and the honoring of it. And I I was actually just about to ask you if your theater did the moment of silences because this is the first Marvel Studios film, at least in my opinion, that. It's the opposite of your typical Marvel Studios one where it's like you expect people to cheer and stuff, but this is one where people are like doing moments of silences, like they're honoring like yeah, what's happening with the Marvel Studios flip. And then later on in the movie with another montage, it's just silent. It's just pitch silent. It was it was wild to see, wild experience.
1: Yeah. I mean, there weren't a ton of people in my showing. I'm I'm in a pretty small town and you know, Thursday night showings aren't usually too big here but um but no nobody said a word th- through that opening logo and and i kind of loved that that they that they did that they didn't have the usual you know michael jakeina opening music that he's that he's had for so long um i just thought that was perfect i mean it was a good like felt like a little like moment of silence tribute that people do in real life when you know somebody big passes away like they like what they do at sporting games and you know at other concerts and everything it it couldn't have been done any better to me
0: Agreed. And it did remind me of a sporting game, like that just moment of silence, like you're just no mm-hmm. music, no nothing. It's dead silent. Like if someone dropped their cup, you would hear it. Like that's mm-hmm. how silent it was in my theater. And my theater was no, by, my, by no means packed, but it was right. still, there was people in there and it was like dead silent, dead quiet, all in honor of Chadwick. So it was just one of those surreal Marvel Studios uh, theater experiences. Yeah, exactly. And,
1: and I'm sure it would have been the same way if we were in packed houses, too. I'm sure it was that way at the premiere, you know, the big theaters in LA and New York and everything. That would have been cool to see, but I'm I'm so glad it
0: worked out like that. Me too. And then I think this is another classic Marvel Studios thing is we're hit with the gut punch of it's a time skip. Like on yeah. the screen, it goes one year later. Mm-hmm. And anytime a Marvel film does this, I'm always caught off guard. It's like, even this one, I should have expected it. But one year later and now we know the world is going after vibranium and it's Mm -hmm. just like whoa yeah
1: exactly and it's really funny like I mean thinking about that it's it ties back so much from like from the first movie with the whole debate between you know T'Challa and Killmonger and everything where you know he was saying that that Wakanda should be open to the world sharing their resources and everything and that was a huge debate because since Black Panther, we haven't really seen the effects of that yet. I mean, we've had uh, we had the Black Panther in Infinity War and Endgame, and we had Ao in, uh, in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. We've seen them other places, but we've never dealt with the ramifications of that. And it's no surprise that the rest of the world wants to pounce on Wakanda and get the most the strongest metal on Earth. So it, no wonder it's, it's kind of a crap show.
0: <laughs> it really is. And the whole United Nations, uh, Richard Schiff was like a special... Uh, he, in the credits, he was labeled a special guest star, and I joked with my buddy. I saw this with someone, I was, like, was this an episode of Disney Plus? I've never seen that actually labeled during the film, like special right. guest star. I was like, that's so random, yeah, yeah, no, he was great. I, I think I, I looked
1: online somewhere, I think he's supposed to be the new U.S. Secretary of State. Oh, um, okay, is his role. Um, because I know that they've said that, um, that Ross is going to be kind of like a civilian when Harrison Ford comes back to play him, and uh in Captain America, New World Order. So this he's the new Secretary of State, which makes sense why he was on that giant panel. Um, and, and I love Richard Schiff as an actor. I love him. I love the Man of Steel. Um, for any psych fans out there, it's like, it's like the second movie. He's a great part in that. And it, he had a great role in this. I've been looking forward to seeing him in this for a while.
0: <laughs> he definitely fits that role of U.S. Secretary of State. And I almost totally. wonder who, who is the president in the current MCU? Because that's not something we've gotten an answer to.
1: Yeah, I've heard rumors that we might actually get an answer to that in Secret Invasion, which wouldn't shock me at all, considering the whole political landscape of that and how you know the scrolls are infiltrating the highest level of Earth's you know governments and everything. Yeah, but um, but I'm glad I'm glad we got that little nod with uh, with that scene in Black Panther
0: too. Me too. I'm I'm glad that whole situation like was hinted at, and another yeah. situation that comes about because everyone blames it on Wakanda is Namor's introduction and I just want to get your thoughts on that because it was like almost to me like a horror film almost like just with the fish like the Talokan people and just wow
1: yeah I mean I've been really excited to see Namor for a while because he he's literally been hinted at in the MCU for most of the MCU's existence I mean we got that Atlantis not in Iron Man 2 which was like in 2010 on on Fury's uh you know, a board of big locations and everything, and um, no, I've been really excited to see Namor, and I thought that Tina Huerta did an incredible job playing the role. He was absolutely terrifying in that first scene, as were the entire entire people.
0: He knocked it out of the ballpark, because honestly, I don't even know why I doubt Marvel Studios casting at this rate, and I'm not saying I doubt it, this role, but it's just still like... There's no reason to. (laughs) Just incredible. And just so well and speaking of another mcu debut that was incredible was dominique thorne as riri williams which Mm -hmm. she's riri williams i didn't expect her to be so integral to this plot did you i mean i had heard rumors
1: that something that she had something to do with like kind of what got everything going but i didn't expect her to play such a huge role and i'm not complaining at all no i think um i think dominique thorne did an incredible job in her first mcu movie i mean i think she's like 24 or 25 or something in real life and you know playing this mit student and and it was really cool too seeing all the uh all the boston stuff i actually went to school in boston maybe like 10 minutes away from mit and i know they they filled some stuff there we actually had um our one of our guys at the direct um when he was with us uh get some set photos and everything when they were filming at mit in cambridge so um that was really cool kind of getting that real world nod to it and um and i thought her introduction was really really cool and i'm looking forward to seeing more of her in the mcu
0: yeah we're going to see more of boston in the mcu more of mit oh, yeah. in the mcu uh next fall with ironheart which i think both the character of ironheart and the disney plus series after wakanda forever that stock is skyrocketing i oh, think yeah. it goes up my list a ton after seeing dominique thorns performance and just the character and all the vibes i can't wait
1: absolutely like this was literally the first thing i'd ever seen her in so i didn't really know what to expect from her just as an actress as a performer i thought she knocked it out of the ballpark i mean that first introduction scene where where shuri and okoye break into her dorm room and everything that honestly was probably my favorite moment with her just because of how hilarious it was you know her throwing everything at, at both of them and then getting her to come to Wakanda with them and everything, it was it was awesome. I thought all of them did a great job.
0: I thought so, too. And I just love that Ruri knew who uh, Princess Shuri, Shuri was. was. Like, there's yeah. more of that interconnectivity. Like, it's like people actually know the Wakandan royalty. And I thought that was a really cool nod.
1: Definitely. No, and, and that helps with, you know, Wakanda being a little more public in the world. And, um, you know, I'm sure she... Knew about t'challa when they went in public for the first time i'm sure she's been you know studying that nation as you know big technologically the most technologically advanced nation in the world and as a young you know up-and-coming scientist and everything i'm sure they're uh they're a big study point for her
0: a hundred percent and just once they get into action like once the feds come after okoye riri williams and shuri that whole action sequence was I was on the edge of my seat and just the whole resolution of it, them getting sent to Talacan and Okoye not being able to get the job done. That whole sequence was just, it was, I, I thought Okoye was dead in the water when she was fighting Atuma. I yeah. thought we were about to see an MCU death scene there.
1: Yeah. I was, I was nervous about that. Cause this is, this is really the first time we've seen Okoye pretty much not get the job done during her whole, during her whole MCU tenure. She's been, she's been pretty successful in everything that she's done so far. And, you know, obviously that led to some major ramifications after that back in Wakanda. But I, I thought tonight Guerrero did a great job with that. I mean, I love her character, obviously, but that was a great fight scene um, on the on the bridge in Boston between her and Atuma and Amora and everything. I thought they did such a good job with that. It really, you know, brought the stakes up right there.
0: It did. And then when you have Namor uh, basically... Or- he's holding uh shuri and Ruri williams hostage in Talokan, mm-hmm. and then we get to see Talokan, and i thought that was epic seeing that whole realm slash new mcu nation i thought that was some excellent world building there and also i kind of liked how at first it was like namor and shuri were they were they're bonding they were relating mm-hmm. to each other as leaders and, stuff. and then obviously while all that's going on you have queen ramonda who strips okoye of the general of the dora milaje and then she sends she goes to nakia who's living in haiti to right. go save her and that all ties in later in the film but like that was an entire like loaded sequence for me too yeah for sure and and you was funny thinking too I really don't have many complaints
1: at all about this movie, but I think one of my only gripes, I think about it was about Talokan. It was I don't know about you, but it felt a little bit too dark for me. That was I think my 100%. only percent yep. point because I yep. think like when you get Namor in the MCU, you're gonna inevitably compare it to Aquaman because you know DC had the first big screen you know movie water hero. I, the only thing that I will say that DC, I think actually did better with Aquaman is that they made it, they made it a lot more visible underwater when you saw Atlantis with all the lights and the colors and everything. I thought it looked great what we could see. It didn't look bad by any means, but I think my only complaint is I wish we could have seen it a little bit more, like a little bit more lit up. Um, I I mean, but, but I think partly too that adds to how mysterious and dark Namor is to start because he is you know, through and
0: through the villain of this movie. He he is. And I, I agree with you on Talocon because I thought like now that you pointed out, it was dark and it wasn't as I almost wonder if that was like a CGI thing when it comes right. to like focusing on certain areas and maybe over time it can become lighter, obviously ahead of this film, most theaters got to see avatar the way of water the teaser which that involves a lot of underwater and it's crystal clear blue so i agree with you it was like a little a little too dingy in some areas and a little too dark but i'm hoping to see more of that world as time goes on in the mcu because it's it is kind of a fascinating place to explore from a physics standpoint from a nation standpoint it's just Kind of mind-boggling and we've already dealt with so many mind-boggling things in the mcu but like this one right here is still pretty just crazy to me
1: exactly like like for the most part it was really really good and and i'll say that i can't wait to see more of it um i mean i think namor is an awesome character i think they did a really good job introducing him into the mcu and bringing the kind of the kind of character that we've wanted to see from namor for a long time i mean there's obviously some slight differences from the comics i think for the better honestly
0: i think so too i think i know there was a lot of people concerned when they changed it from atlantis to telecon and i think that was actually a really good decision to really differentiate it out make it more of a culture uh the rise telecon and the whole i know this is a podcast that, so you can't see my um hand gestures here but that was the, awesome yeah the world building yeah that was like one of my takeaways is i love the world building aspect of it it was like so good People were doing the, the, the X, the Black Panther X, after
1: the first one forever. I think people are going to be doing the new uh, the new Telecon hand thing for for a while after this movie, too.
0: I think so, too. I think there's going to be a lot of Rise Telecon uh, shirts being sold. Agreed. Wh- whoever, who, you know, whether it's Disney or, like, some of these small shops, I think whoever gets those shirts up and running mm-hmm. is going to make a lot of money. But- oh, yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think this is going to be a new corner of the MCU that a lot of people are going to love to explore in future projects. And Nakia got to experience it too, which I thought, you know, that added so much to her backstory that she was able to figure this out. And not a lot of people know about Telecon, and she was able to figure it out, also get into Telecon, get Shuri, and... Riri Williams, and then get them to escape without any issues. I mean, what a performance from Nakia
1: there! Absolutely, and it, it is kind of interesting too when you think about it. Like Wakanda and Telecon are actually a lot of a lot of them are really similar, just because like they're these hidden nations that they don't want anyone to know about with really viable resources. I mean, obviously, Telecon has vibranium too, so they're they're really protective over that. You know, they, they had. They had Riri's machines searching for vibranium under the ocean floor um, when the movies first started. So they're they're both really protective of their you know culture, their resources, and everything. And and I love how similar they were, even though they were at war with each other um, the entire time. And and like you said, the Nakia stuff was awesome. I was really looking forward to seeing her in this movie. And uh, Lupita Nyong'o did did an absolutely incredible job um, bringing her back. I loved you know how they caught up with her since the last movie and um, I mean she brought some emotional stuff in, into this story
0: very realistic and I think that was what really made Black Panther Wakanda forever stand out in comparison to other recent MCU titles is that it was very grounded in emotion mm-hmm. emotion that I don't think I've seen since like no way home I know that's yeah. kind of a recent example but like to me When you do the emotional balance, obviously Wakanda Forever is a little bit higher, but No Way Home still packs a punch too. And I I think that's where everyone in this cast just did such a good job, rooting it in somewhat reality and then like just still continuing to build out the MCU.
1: Yeah, I mean, it was a situation that obviously none of them asked for because we'd obviously all rather have Chadwick Boseman here and being the Black Panthers still. But they they did the absolute best job they could with what they were given. I mean, they they every single person in this movie gave a, an absolutely incredible performance. I mean, there were a couple of standouts, which I'll get to later. But um, but no, everybody brought their A game in this movie. I mean, it was some of the best ensemble performance I've ever seen in an MCU movie, especially in a solo movie like that. And and clearly, some of the best in Phase Four, like you said, with, up there with No Way Home.
0: Yeah, for me, and obviously this will be a later podcast I do, but I think No Way Home and Wakanda Forever are at least neck and neck when it comes to best films of Phase 4. Oh, they're my top two. Easy. Yeah, not even a question. Yeah, I, I think instantly those two are the top just because of how well they were constructed, how emotional they were, and just how exciting they were as well.
1: And considering that both of them had to deal with so many problems during, co- I mean, both of them had to deal with COVID stuff. So that's yes. a challenge in and of itself, having to do rewrites and you know script changes and everything. Because because Spider Man was supposed to come out after Doctor Strange, so they had to deal with that whole thing. And then obviously Black Panther two with the Chadwick Boseman you know tragedy and everything. So both of them really had a bunch of challenges, and I think I mean, as did all of Phase four. But I think those two yeah. pulled through. I think better than better than anything else has in phase four, which I'll admit has been an up and down phase. But it has its high points.
0: Yeah, phase four has been an up and down phase. I, I do think some of it does fall on COVID and production issues, mm-hmm. and also just from the standpoint of Disney wanting so much Marvel so fast, and exactly. you know making up for twenty twenty not having Marvel. Where I do think phase five we are going to settle in in 2023 and these movies are going to feel like big events these series are going to be a little bit more spread out special presentation sprinkled in there i think it will the audience will it will come back around now that we're more back back to normal
1: i mean just to put it in perspective i think phase three had like 11 movies i think it ended up being but that was from 2016 to 2019 phase four had 14 different projects between movies and disney plus shows it might be 15 now that i'm thinking about it and all of them released in a two-year span from the end from beginning of 2021 to the end of 2022 and largely that was because of covid i'm sure it would have been more spread out otherwise but that is a lot of content to release in a two-year span and you know i mean obviously there were some hiccups along the way but they did a really good job considering the circumstances
0: really good job and i I think wakanda forever is you know even with those restrictions they they just i keep on saying it but they knocked it out of the ballpark i just can't you know it's just that's my go-to line and another thing with it is like it's it can stand on its own as a good film but also what it did for the mcu like i said in my initial tweet reviews mcu diehards are gonna love certain aspects of this film because it actually does forward progress forward momentum. And one of the forward momentum moments in this film is Val is back. Val from black widow and Love to hate her. the Falcon and winter soldier. Exactly. And she's back and she's becoming this power player in the MCU. I guess she is the director of the CIA. Yeah. Which to me is crazy because it feels like she has way more oversight than that. It feels like she's almost like above the CIA in some way and then we also find out she's the ex-wife of everett ross
1: i mean did not see
0: that coming (laughs) no first i thought it was just a joke because she was like oh i'll get on your peloton and stuff i thought she was just like messing with them to mess with them and then when she said that i was like
1: whoa (laughs) yeah no, like my entire theater i mean we didn't have that many people was probably maybe like 20 or 30 people in the theater but we were all just like what yeah (laughs) like no i mean Val being everett rosa's ex i mean i mean firstly bad judge character sorry everett I love yeah her, but that was that was a mistake but but that just adds a, a whole new level of intrigue and like and what i love about this one too is that this was easily Val's biggest role in the mcu today because she only had a few minutes of screen time in Falconer winter soldier she was only in the post credit scene of black widow but this one she actually felt like an actual part of the movie And you saw just how like how diabolical and skeevy and evil she possibly could be because there's some big plot points that she teased just from a couple of things that she said.
0: Huge plot points. I think the biggest one is she loves vibranium, would Mm -hmm. love if the U.S. had vibranium. We all know that's not good. We all know that could head into some interesting territory because she is going to be in the Thunderbolts come 2024 mm-hmm. and that could be a plot point or could be the plot of thunderbolts i don't know yeah
1: yeah i mean that's definitely a possible plot point her recruiting the thunderbolts to try to get vibranium i mean, I don't know how well that's gonna roll over with you know guys like guys like bucky involved but
0: yeah so. <laughs> you, you know it's kind of funny it's like yeah send bucky into wakanda and they'll just you know detach his arm right away yeah, it's but, like I they mean, have all the I,
1: tech That's going to go over really well, sending Bucky Barnes into Wakanda to get vibranium. I don't know what she's, I really, I hope for her sake, that's not what she's thinking. But it very well could be.
0: Very well, very well could be. But yeah, she definitely has a lot more power in this film. And I'm looking forward to seeing her in more projects just because it's like she's clearly becoming almost like the connective glue of phase four and beyond. Which is yeah. something that is needed in my opinion. Very much
1: like the Nick Fury of that side of the uh equation. But you no, know, and the stuff with her and Ross. Um, I loved seeing Ross back in this movie. I think um, I don't know if this was his best like performance of the MCU, but I love I think this is my favorite story for Ross. I love seeing him help with the Wakandans, you know, kind of square off each other's dads helping helping um Wakanda save themselves and try to you know, get Shuri and, and Riri out of trouble. I mean, he obviously helped them find Riri in the first place when they first got to Boston, which was cool. Um, but I'm really excited to see where he goes, and I'm really just glad to see
0: him back and doing some good. I'm I thought he had a great performance in this film. I know this wasn't probably like his biggest role by any means, but right. I thought he had a good arc and a lot of interesting twists, and I'm happy because i just found this out today doing research for our podcast richard that he's going to be in secret invasion i don't know how that slipped my mind i don't yep. know if i was too in a disney coma after d23 that i didn't like see the <laughs> yeah, news I think that
1: slipped but uh but yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah no I, i'm i'm psyched to see him in secret invasion secret invasion is gonna be like the huge project of next year on disney plus for sure and 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 it's funny, just thinking about the role that Disney pl- that Disney's going to be on with Marvel. You got Black Panther, Wakanda Forever right now. You go right into Ant Man and the Wasp: Quantumania. I mean, see, I saw that trailer for the first time on the big screen, Um, or maybe, maybe I saw it during Black Adam, but at least at least the second time on the big screen, that one's going to be crazy. And then that leads right into Secret Invasion, and, and next year is going to be crazy for the MCU. Twenty
0: twenty three is going to be an epic year for Mm. marvel i i and i can't wait i think it's just so exciting and you actually set me up good right there because ant-man and the wasp quantumania that's our next mcu project and in this film there was a scott lang easter egg on the cnn ticker he's promoting his book tour so we now know wakanda forever only takes a a few short weeks probably ahead of quantumania i would assume yeah
1: yeah, either either a few weeks before it or maybe like around the same time, like right when Scott's because because he's obviously promoting his book. I think they they showed some of the footage of that during the um, during either the Comic-Con or the D23 footage for it. So uh, fans haven't seen the book stuff yet, but we know that's coming. We know Scott's kind of a celebrity now, yeah. um, which is just that's just going to be great seeing Paul Rudd do that. But um, and and I love that that's another little like news banner Easter egg that they've done. They've done that like two or three times just
0: in the last few years alone. It's funny. I've trained myself to just kind of look at the news banner when Uh the scene, when Anderson Cooper pops up, because I was like, oh, there might be something here that I don't want to miss. And when it happened where Queen Ramonda, when she passes during this film, there is a second one. And it's about New Asgard signing a treaty or something, which I'm like, hmm, okay. So this you know this might be even closer to love and thunder than we thought like this is it was just wild to see those because it's like phase four has been largely disconnected from each other so even like those simple nods kind of helps you know make makes it feel more of that universe like lived in totally like I, I remember no way home had some kind of uh love and thunder
1: nod to it i think it was like some something with valkyrie and and new asgard or something like that i think they had that in a little news ticker yeah but, um and that's what I'm really curious about too. Like, since this is—is is, I mean, is that technically the end of Phase Four? Because so we've got the Guardian Special coming up in a couple of weeks. But I'm really curious to see because I feel like Phase Five is going to be a lot more of interconnected stuff. Because I mean, they've teased that Secret Evasion is like the one of the first MCU's first official crossover events on Disney yeah. Plus. And I mean, obviously, it's got, it's got it's got people from all different franchises. I mean, Fury, Talos, Ever Ross, Rhodey, so many other people in that one. Um, And then we've got, you know, connections between Captain America, New World Order and Thunderbolts with Ross being in probably both of those. I'm really curious to see how that all connects up in phase five, which will then lead into phase six and all the big Avengers stuff.
0: Yeah, phase five, definitely. I feel like phase four was kind of like, hey, we're going to just reset the table and also I have more thoughts on phase four at the end of the podcast because I kind of have a summary for it. But then mm-hmm. phase five, it definitely seems like, okay, we're going to put our foot on the gas a bit. We're going to connect some things. We're going to set up some huge consequences for what comes in phase six, because I mean, this is the multiverse saga after all. And, you know, we have had some multiverse shenanigans, but I feel like we might need a little bit more ahead of, you know, phase six.
1: Yeah. And, and there's sure to be some, some phase five stuff that's going to Probably tackle the multiverse. I mean, maybe, maybe like the Marvels or something. um Obviously, we don't know when Deadpool three is gonna be. I mean, we know what is it's coming out, but we don't know if it's gonna be Phase five or Phase six. Deadpool's gonna go absolutely crazy with the multiverse. I, and I'll just say this: of all the new stuff that we've heard about Deadpool three, that has become my most anticipated movie, other than the next two Avengers movies. I cannot wait for Deadpool
0: three. <laughs> That's fair. Deadpool three is. I've already said that. I can't wait to see Ryan Reynolds do the marketing campaign because I just think that (laughs) in itself might be fantastic. Just will be fun to watch. But you're right. Deadpool 3 is right up there. I think it's going to be a multiversal road trip or something like that. And I think it's going to just blow people's minds. I can't wait for that. You know, I can't wait for that to come out. Agreed, but then like, but then
1: before that, like moving back to Black Panther, like I remember when you said something earlier about Black Panther two is like I kind of do love how grounded it was to kind of to get to finish off Phase four, and this was a really unique one because like none of the phases actually since Phase one has technically ended with an Avengers movie, but this phase doesn't have an Avengers movie or a team up movie at all, so a lot of the responsibility really fell on Black Panther to do that, and it had a lot of responsibility to like sort of attribute to Chad with Bozeman. While ending a phase, while setting up, you know, all this future new stuff for Wakanda and the rest of the world and everything. Um, and and like I did really enjoy how grounded it was in that in that regard, while being an epic adventure.
0: Me too. I, I just think it was grounded epic adventure. It's like what you just said, it's like I, I think they just really understood the assignment here. Yes, and I know. <laughs> Ahead of this film. I know the internet likes to speculate one of and I, I know not everyone's always on the internet. Like some people listening to this podcast are probably like, Oh, how, how do they know so much about some of these Marvel projects? But one of yeah. the rumors ahead of Wakanda forever, and not everyone knew this was, you know, allegedly there was going to be something with Dr. Doom. I'm glad that didn't happen just Me too. because, Me too. because after watching this film, I, I kind of understood where, I think it was producer Nate Moore who says, like, after you're done watching this film, you're not going to even want to want a post credit because you're going to be just kind of like, yeah, it's going to be like endgame. You're kind of decompressing from just what you just watched. Exactly. I I agreed. I think that was a brilliant call. And, you know, and I'm I'm a guy who loves post credit scenes, but I think that's where this film really kind of reigned it in and we'll get to that mid-credit scene later because that still delivers oh yeah yeah it does <laughs> and speaking of another thing that was like surreal was Wakanda being under attack by the Talokan. like I we, we saw Wakanda under attack in Infinity War but to me mm-hmm. that was more of like T'Challa and them being like let's lower the force field let them come to us where this attack is like strictly a surprise and the flooding and just the whole sheer chaos and panic was just like you're just like oh my gosh what's going to happen
1: this was this was the first time that wakanda had felt like it was in this kind of danger like this kind of intense danger i mean obviously and it kind of along the lines of what you said about infinity war like with them lowering the gates and everything that didn't just feel like an attack on Wakanda, just like more so it felt just like an attack on the entire world and the entire universe. Just yeah. that Wakanda was the epicenter of it because the you were know, protecting Vision and the Mind Stone and everything. But that was just Thanos and his army coming to Earth to make sure that they could get the Infinity Gauntlet and everything. This felt so much more personal on a on a ground level basis because Talokan was so sneaky and like they could get past. Um, Wakanda's defense and everything and you saw with Namor when he first came in was he was able to sneak past Wakanda's defenses not too without too much difficulty you know when he first met uh, Shuri and Ramonda Um, but this one really felt like it was the most that Wakanda had been in danger because of that attack because of the flooding and everything and I mean obviously we saw the consequences
0: the consequences are Historic here. I mean, Queen Ramonda dies saving Riri Williams, and that's a heartbreaking scene. And yeah. Shuri has already lost so much. The whole scene where they they're holding Shuri back, and Nakia is being like, uh, she's not. You know, yeah. I forget which one it was, where it's like her heart's not beating, and it's like you're just yeah. like, oh man, like just like, what a what a moment.
1: I saw it with my wife, um and she was like, "Can they please stop killing off Wakandan royalty just for once?" And, and like. And I'm going to take this moment to shout out Angela Bassett. Um, I mean, we're, we're talking about Oscar picks later, maybe. Yeah. If Angela Bassett does not get at least a nomination for this movie, people are going to riot because this was one of the best MCU performances I've ever seen. And I mean, Angela Bassett's obviously had an incredible career, but this is this is one of her highlights. And I love the work that she put in for this movie. 100%
0: Hundred percent agree with you. I we, we will get into these Oscar picks later, but I I agree with you. If Bassett doesn't get it, I think there is some serious issues with the Academy. But you know that's well, we, we already we, know
1: that. But yeah, we'll we'll, we'll get to that <laughs>
0: later because you know I can rant about that. Oh um, yeah. But after this whole this whole scene in the grief of it all, like just you're it's like we already lost T'Challa, now we lose Queen Ramonda, and shuri now needs to pick up the pieces and she finally decides that she's going to listen to ramonda's advice from earlier in the film wakanda Mm -hmm. needs the black panther again and this whole sequence once again it was hype it was hype her finally being like i'm gonna try to get the heart shaped herb and just the whole sequence of her figuring it out and then having Riri go off and figure out things, and Nakia is there too. I I love I love that scene,
1: right? And that's the whole thing with this movie that was so interesting was like like it's called Black Panther Wakanda Forever, but there really isn't any talk of the Black Panther at all until until Shuri starts deciding that she has to make the heart trade of again because she had given up the entire idea of the Black Panther for you know the year since T'Challa had died, which I mean you kinda of understand considering what she's been through, what the country's been through and everything. But that whole sequence with her coming up with the heart shaped herb and everything and obviously immediately what followed after that, it's so cool. And and it once again shows how smart how smart Shuri is. Um like even after failing to rescue T'Challa in the beginning of the movie, she doesn't give up. She keeps going for it and she she figures out a
0: way to move forward with it. And you're right. Once she gets the heart-shaped herb, one of the coolest uh, scenes take place from the ancestral plane. Who's waiting there for her? We got Killmonger. (laughs) Man, what a... And I did not see it coming. I was so happy that wasn't spoiled for me. So it's like... Me too. I was like, whoa. And that whole... Killmonger's uh, monologue he does from the ancestral plane hits so hard because he goes... goes so hard he's like well t'chaka killed his own brother t'challa didn't even kill t'chaka's killer like it's like just sure he's getting yeah all angles here and she probably just wants to see anyone else Mm -hmm. Uh, yeah because nobody wants to go to the
1: ancestral plane and see killmonger there and and like it was so funny too because like i am always so weary when when you do when movies do stuff with that not just marvel but with any movie like when you bring characters back from the dead if they were going to bring michael b jordan back to do killmonger i had a feeling it was going to be through the ancestral plane but i didn't see that scene coming at all and i thought they did a really good job and i love how like it really screwed with shuri's head because like like you saw when she actually became the black panther later that 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 interaction was on her mind the entire time, and it really tore her up, and it it made for some interesting internal conflict, along with the
0: external conflict. It really did. It was a very cool contrast of, like, this is what Killmonger would do, but what would T'Challa do? What would Shuri do? And it becomes this whole whole situation and you're right just like contrast in that final battle because you have namor fighting for calicon and then you have shuri fighting for wakanda and it was an epic battle to me i think it was just an epic battle i think everything worked for me and Mm -hmm. i just i i am shocked though that they did they just fought in the water because i feel like their strategy should have been finding a way to get them to a desert and like you know right screwing up their powers more but they
1: partly it, did but yeah i mean they yeah. really they really took their chances out of the water
0: they really did and hey riri williams as ironheart going toe-to-toe with namor pretty epic i can't that wait was to that see aspect. yeah can't wait to see who else she goes toe-to-toe with because i mean that's like that's some tony stark level of balls to do that right out of the gate <laughs> in your first like yeah, MC. Yeah.
1: A 19-year-old kid, you know, joining freaking Wakanda in battle. And and this the suit that she made looked so cool to me. I love like like the heart outline with her shoulders and the and the torso and everything. I love the design of it. I know uh, you know, spoiler, alert, she can't keep the suit, unfortunately, but I can't wait to see how that inspires her to, to go forward with her own technology in Ironheart.
0: Yeah, that that where she can't keep the suit after this whole grand epic adventure which makes sense yeah Yeah. not not really a surprise but i i do think you know the whole tease of hey come visit me in boston to shuri i definitely think i was like okay we have an episode of ironheart you have to write now it's like gotta get get shuri in there (laughs) you gotta get shuri in here now i mean like you know that would make sense it's like i don't know when the next time we'll see the black panther and see this a lot of these characters in this franchise so it's like hey might as well get them in the disney plus as a cameo
1: and i know they're working on a lot of like wakanda centric series and everything for disney plus later but we don't know we don't have any idea when those are coming out in terms of like phase five six potentially after the multiverse saga so it might be a while until we get back to that specific world but i'm looking forward to seeing where they pop up elsewhere
0: Me too. I think Wakanda has such a rich world, so I want to see that continue to be explored. And something that was explored in this film was Mbaku. And Mm. his role in this film was part comic relief but part mentor. And I really enjoyed his role. I think he did a wonderful job. I Mbaku is arguably
1: my favorite character from the first movie. And I thought he did a really good job in this one. Like I loved I love the steps he took. I mean, obviously it was hilarious seeing him first come in what you know eating whatever he was eating when that first council yeah like i don't even want to be here or whatever but um, but no and then the moment that really hit me was right after ramona's death when he's standing there with shuri and and she gives that line back to him of a a child who scoffs at tradition and you know he's he's just there for her and you know supporting her however she needs and trying to trying to get her in a right frame of mind for what she's got to do next because i mean like you said earlier she's the only member of the royal family left and and ibaka was there for her and i love the direction that he took in this movie
0: me too and i i didn't really realize this till after the fact with this movie obviously i only saw this once i didn't get multiple repeat yeah, viewings and but people are saying Mbaku is now the king of wakanda which right I, is that correct I think there's a chance of it because
1: like at the very end, when she goes to her coronation um, thing or when he goes in place of her, she's not there and he challenges for the throne. I mean, we don't see obviously the end result of that, but maybe he'll like take over the ruling part of it while Shuri keeps being the Black Panther. So uh, so we'll see how that dynamic works out in future stuff, but I'm excited for it.
0: Yeah, me too. I, I was th- at first, you know, because it's like the, the, those scenes at the end kind of come like rapid fire and we'll get right. into them pretty quick. But like, so I was like, kind of like confused there on that. Yeah. yeah, me too, a little bit, but I, I can't wait to see it. I think I think M'Baku's got a big part in whatever the next Black Panther centric story is. Oh, me too. I think that would make a lot of sense for him to, even if he ends up being a, Supporting character in one of these Disney Plus projects as well. Mm-hmm. I think that could be a cool role for him. Yeah, definitely. And and
1: I love Winston Duke. I, I love what he's done in the MCU. I just
0: want to see more of him. <laughs> me, me too. Me too. I totally agree with that. And an, another thing I noticed within the final battle, and this is where another of those a silent moment of silences kicks in, is with the montage of Shuri in or I might be getting my, um, memory scrambled a bit. Uh, th- that, um, montage. Of I I don't, you yeah, have T'Challa. I don't, I don't so, think it's in the so, final. So that was when,
1: that was when she went to, um, Nakia's yeah. house in, uh, in Haiti and gotcha. she was about to do the ritual that she had was supposed to do with her mother earlier, where they, where they burned their funeral clothes and, and the m- montage when she, when she was burning her, her, um, her funeral clothes and that's when the t'challa montage came up
0: gotcha yeah see i was getting that like kind of scrambled with the end of the fine like kind of final battle with namor and shuri and queen ramonda from the ancestral plane telling her like yeah that that was
1: awesome though too yeah yeah show them who you are i think
0: yeah show them who you are and that's where i was like the amount of restraint from them not to use chadwick's voice at all in this movie because right? I know they've used it in the marketing. They've used his voice, you know, like mm-hmm. like the Civil War speech um, right. that he gives to Natasha Romanoff. was right. used in the Wakanda Forever marketing. So I was betting big that we were going to hear him speak to Shuri through archival audio, mm-hmm. which I'm shocked that they didn't do it. And it just shows you the amount of restraint they had. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Um but no i mean that part was great the, how they use ramonda in the ancestral plane while shuri and namor were fighting i mean that was a that was a pretty epic fight scene between uh between them at the very end just brutal like i mean shuri shuri got brutal you know cutting off his wing and you know after getting stabbed with the spear that was some
0: intense stuff <laughs> It it was her getting stabbed, and you're like, whoa, whoa, what's going on? Now we just got a new Black Panther. Don't 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 right. take another one away from me. And then she just rips it out, and you're like, oh man, okay, and like just yeah. <laughs> oh, but yeah, you're right. Like the whole wing, because the wings on his feet—that's special to Namor because he's a mutant. You know, not right. everyone else has it in Telecon. So, I thought that was like, I'm like, oh, she's vicious. She's going right for like what makes him. Namor, it's like whoa, yeah,
1: and and I love that too because like because Namor is obviously I think if not the first one of the first mutants in the MCU, and he's the first one in the MCU to actually say that he's a mutant. I mean, I know we've had you know Patrick Stewart's Professor X in there before, and Miss Marvel turned out to be a mutant uh, with the music and all, but I love that how they revealed that he's a mutant that he's been around forever and like that sets up the whole mutant legacy in the mcu which i'm actually about to write something after this about like how that sets up the mutants are pro- have probably been around in the mcu for a long time and we're gonna we're gonna find out about them here pretty pretty soon
0: and quick question on that mutant note do you think that the mutants potentially are you know, as we saw in Wakanda Forever with Talokan, do you, you think there is another hidden nation within the MCU, maybe a Krakoa or a Genosha or, you know, a mutant-centric nation?
1: That That's a great question. I've been thinking about that. I don't know if a nation but i yeah. feel like it's maybe going to be like how they did in the, in the initial x men movies like the initial trilogy and everything where they're kind of just like scattered all over the world kind of hidden places because like they had that wolverine tease in um in she-hulk with the the clawed man in a bar fight or something and i'm sure they're going to get into plenty of it when uh, when deadpool 3 comes out with with deadpool and wolverine and everything going through the mcu and the multiverse and everything but i i'm even more excited now to see how they kind of how they develop the mutant legacy that's that's seemingly already all, always been there in the mcu going forward
0: yeah i totally agree with that the mutant legacy and you know namor one of the first mutants and he's been around in the mcu for a long time now so mm-hmm. i mean who it's like what we said iron man 2 he popped up on nick fury's board i mean he might have mm-hmm. had some adventures in the past that we just never knew about and right. I'm also writing an article about Black Panther, uh, Wakanda Forever 2 right now. And one of my biggest points was, how did Telecon feel when a giant celestial came out of the ocean? <laughs> yeah, that's,
1: that's going to be a great question. I mean, thank God it was finally addressed, at least during that that one. I think it was during the same She-Yulk moment where we got the Wolverine tease. But I am curious yeah. to see if there's going to be any, uh, any Telecon ramifications from a giant, you know, Space being popping up out of the ocean and almost destroying Earth,
0: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's like that's something that hasn't been addressed like that there was a celestial that spoke down <laughs> to Earth and it's not talked yeah. about, like, the no, it's not on anyone's radar. There's so Seriously. much going on that Seriously. it's like <laughs> everyone has other battles to fight, yeah, and exactly. And speaking of other battles to fight, this film kind of towards the end starts really hitting hard with some scenes that almost to me felt like could have been post-credit scenes in a way. It, because just how they set up and how they teased things. Like, And I know like not everything needs to be a post-credit scene, but just how some of these ending scenes played for me. I was like, oh, that could have been like a post-credit scene. But like one was Everett Ross was being taken away off to prison and he's saved by Okoye, who is now a midnight angel which is a more special force type wakandan warrior you know it's like i think a on the same level as the dora milaje but with more advanced armor right something like that yeah Yeah. it it feels like
1: like an almost like a separate division of the dora that that doesn't have to play as probably by the book and you know, you've got her and Aneka on that team, and, and I can't wait to see how that develops. That could be a whole series in and of itself. And with that, it's funny thinking about it right now, that might end up being the, the Okoye series that's been rumored
0: for a while. That would make a ton of sense because every time the, that Okoye series got brought up, I was like, eh, I, I don't know because I'm like, it's like, if it's just going to follow her being the general of the Dora Milaje, I'm like, I don't know how you get six episodes right. out of that, in all honesty. But if it's her and Aneka, her and Aneka being the Midnight Angels and doing some bidding for Wakanda, I think that that's where you can get some six episodes. I think there definitely could be some more angles to take.
1: Absolutely. you know, fleshing out, you know what they're about what their rule book looks like and everything i think that's going to be really cool and did i guerrera gets super suit which is going to be awesome
0: <laughs> for sure and then another seems rury williams saying goodbye to shuri like i know we already kind of went over it briefly earlier with um shuri for ironheart now hopefully we get a shuri crossover <laughs> episode <laughs> but rury williams heads back to boston heads back to mit maybe she'll run into ned Leeds. who knows
1: yeah, who knows? That would be that would be a killer crossover. I love seeing seeing them at MIT if they get the chance to to go there and everything. Um, and also, one other quick point of note, just as a, as a kind of general uh, over overlooking of the movie, they use a ton of footage from the very end of the movie. If you noticed in the marketing campaign of those yes. first couple of trailers, like that final scene of Shuri and uh, Riri meeting again, that was in the trailers the scene of Shuri crying on the beach, that's like one of the last shots of the movie that was in the trailer. Yeah. And they've done that a couple of times too, but they've done a really good job of hiding the fact
0: that that's like the final moments of the movie. It's it's almost baffling that, and you're right, you point that out because there was a couple scenes within this film where I was like, okay, that was in the trailer. Like that was in a teaser. And you're just so right that they did a good job with, hiding that and i think if it was anything other than you know shuri being sad on the beach or right you know nakia like looking off into the distance on a beach like you know those scenes without context they don't really like give you anything away doesn't give anything away but right. if it was something more defining then yeah but th- that was a good observation there
1: yeah like like i always love paying attention to that kind of stuff like either scenes that were in the trailers that were cut or scenes that were different from the trailers and the movies and everything. I've written a couple of articles on past uh, shows about it. like, I like I really started kind of paying attention to that during like the no way home frenzy, um, yeah. just because, because they were showing like so much and yet so little of, of no way home during that marketing campaign is the same thing with Dr. Strange too, just because of all the cameos and everything. But, uh, but no, it is always really interesting to look back at on, on the marketing campaign and see what is it isn't spoiled. <laughs>
0: Yeah, and just, like, piecing it together, I think that's, like, the funniest part, just, like, trying to figure it out. Totally. (laughs) This is kind of a random antidote here, but uh, my local theater, actually, in their um, sizzle reel that they do for their, like, theater Mm -hmm. chain, they actually use two scenes, two trailer scenes that have actually never been featured in a Marvel movie. They use the Infinity War Hulk run okay. that was never in the movie then they right. use the no way home scene where it's just peter parker tom holland landing on the statue of liberty and not right before the lizard
1: them. gets punched out by air yeah which
0: is... <laughs> and i was like wow and this is like our local theater chain but i was just like laughing at it because it's like i'm like these these weren't even in the movie like these right. these are like spoiler like this is kind of funny
1: yeah totally and even like like with spider-man it's been a year since it came out
0: and everything <laughs> yeah for sure and then where we leave off with namor too namor is in good position because wakanda is going to need Talokan at one point because they're allies there's not a lot of allies and Namora, his cousin was kind of eh, kind of upset with them that they went the peaceful route like, and i am curious there's two angles I could see developing, like sprouting from this. I could see a telecon civil war oh, yeah. potentially going down. And then also I could see that, you know, I have a good feeling Val or someone else is going to find out about telecon, oh, especially yeah. if they're going so hard for vibranium. So this is there. It's definitely going to be a big storyline within the MCU. Oh, yeah, Talagon in itself is
1: going to be huge. And I feel like that's might be where it's headed, some kind of Talagon civil war, kind of like how the first Black Panther did with, within Wakanda between, you know, T'Challa and Killmonger and the different tribes and everything. Um, so, no, I, I'm really curious to see where Namor goes. I'm so glad just that they didn't kill him off, that he's going to be around for a while, because I think he's got so many places where he can go, and I think he's going to be a great character to explore.
0: I think he's going to be a power player in the MCU for years to come. I'm excited to just see him develop, see what angles they take with him. And yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. And then this film ends with Shuri, you know, finally grieving in Haiti. She's finally, you know, grieving just the events of this film and the events that took place before with, you know, T'Challa dying. And then we cut to this mid-credit scene, and at first I'm like, "Oh, what? What is going on? We're still at the beach." I'm like, "Is someone going to confront her on the beach? Or are we going to get mm-hmm. Nick Fury?" Like, I'm not even, Richard, I'm not even focusing on the emotional <laughs> aspect here. I'm like, this shows you how the MCU might have broken my brain because I'm like, "Oh, Nick Fury's coming!" <laughs> right. so like, I was that's like, what you
1: expect when you see someone on their own like that nowadays.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was expecting like something something crazy to happen within the last seconds but what happens is still equally crazy but more of an emotional punch behind it Mm -hmm. uh nakia reveals that her and t'challa had a son named tucson and his real Mm -hmm. name is t'challa and he's growing up away from wakanda in haiti but now the legacy of t'challa lives on through his son
1: Exactly, and like, like I had heard rumors that this movie was going to introduce his son at, at some point, which wouldn't have shocked me. I mean, it's, it's a way to you know carry on T'Challa and Nakia's legacy. And and, and I love the fact that that's why they that's that how they explained Nakia being away for so long is that, that she was raising their son, which obviously they must have had right after the first Black Panther movie. Um, and, and it helps keep the legacy of T'Challa going. I mean, it's not quite the whole I know the the recast T'Challa movement is a whole other thing. I'm not sure I want to get into it at this point, but <laughs> it it kind of helps with that. And you know, eventually he can grow up to be possibly the new Black Panther once maybe Shuri passes it down to him. I mean, we'll see how long that lasts. But I thought it was a really good way to to honor him while keeping the legacy going. Um, I didn't see the T'Challa name coming. Like as much as I as much as I kind of expected them to have a son, have a kid at some point during the movie whether it's a post-credit scene or not i did not see the t'challa thing coming and that was awesome
0: yeah i didn't see it coming either and i think that's what made it just so much more impactful and obviously i do think it's a setup but it, it is also one of those things where i feel like it's just a long-term setup because it's like i honestly oh, yeah. want to see Shuri be black panther for as long as possible really i yeah. think that's gonna be a fun role. a fun thing to explore but i just loved how they did it and now we know that you know uh t'challa and nakia it was obviously it had to be before infinity war when nakia left with the kid or right. might have been but then after Endgame, obviously you know t'challa said goodbye to his kid so it's not like he was an absentee father either so i mean it yeah. really kind of tied Everything together and really respectfully, just really worked, and it is exciting to see the future of that role. You know, T'Challa Junior, which you know could be a thing in ten years down the line. We'll just have to wait and see. Really, can't wait to find out though. It's it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, and I I think this mid credit scene did justify though of not having the post credit scene. I do. I am happy we got the whole Black Panther will return. I think that was good. I think definitely that, that worked. But you know, after that emotional of a mid credit scene, I think it really played off well that yeah. they didn't, you know, didn't do anything else, and everyone just had to kind of digest what just what just happened.
1: Yeah, exactly. I, I love the fact that like it ended this phase of movies so you know, finite, finitely. I guess is the right way to, or it, it really like. Cut it off perfectly, yeah. you know, to to end phase four and then start phase five fresh. And it felt like everybody could kind of grieve a little bit, um, and you know, kind of just rest with, you know, losing Chadwick Boseman, you know, keeping the Black Panther legacy going. and I thought they made a really good decision, just keeping it that one post credit scene. I mean, if, if there's any movie to do
0: it, this was definitely it, for sure. And I think you know, it's not a, not every film needs to do it like what they just did, but some films deserve it, like this film just did. And you know, as we get towards the end of this pod here, we still have a few more topics to get through, Richard, but right. uh who was your MVP of Wakanda forever? If you had oh, to pick God. just one person, I know it's hard, but like I want to start introducing like picking our MVPs on this podcast. So why not start with this podcast?
1: Yeah. I mean, if I had to pick just one, it's got to be Angela Bassett for me. I mean, I think okay. I, yeah, yeah. I, like I think she gave her best performance in the MCU, and I know she—I know she was only in two movies, but that was just one of the best MCU performances I've ever seen. And also, shout out to her at her training, like the the work she did on her body. You saw her arms in that first scene in the movie. Yeah. 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 My wife literally, I didn't hear this during the movie. She said that she was looking swole. Whoa, yeah. In in the first part of the movie. And that was just epic. But, like, other than that, she just gave an absolutely hell of a performance. And she's the thing that I remember most. I mean, not just with her, you know, her character dying, obviously. She just put forth an incredible performance. And I I was really, really happy with her.
0: Me too. I, I thought she did a wonderful job. In the role, I thought she just did such a great job and just how she conveyed the emotion. I think that monologue, I law lo- I gave everything, I lost everything, that will be played for years to come when we mm-hmm. do MCU highlight reels and oh. stuff like that. But my MVP is actually different. I I'm I'm going with Letitia Wright here. I think Shuri, you okay. know, I think there was a lot of people ahead of this film doubting. Who would be the next Black Panther? A lot of people, I think, were doubting Shuri for, you know, sp- different reasons. I think after watching this film, I think she she really did it. I think she really grabbed that mantle and I think she just acted so well throughout this film.
1: Yeah, easy top three for me. Uh, I think it's. I think she was probably my second choice. And then I got to give a shout out to Tina Cuarta as Namor because he was, I think, Arguably a top two or three villain from Phase Four in the MCU for me,
0: for sure. Yeah, he Tenakarta deserves deserves some props too. I mean, this whole cast deserves props, but I mean, cream of the cream, Bassett, right? I think those two were both yeah. really. They made it work but you know it's like there's we we could really go down the list like dominique thorne i mean martin freeman as ross did well i mean julia louis dreyfus yeah, well. like everyone did well i mean florence kasumba in her yeah, expanded there, role now yeah there wasn't a
1: bad performance i think in this movie the, the the floor was so good that the rest of them were just gonna gonna be incredible
0: every character mattered and i think that's when movies really click is when every character works and mm-hmm. these films have it down to the science. And Absolutely. Kugler is incredible. I can't wait to see what he does next. Obviously, he deserves a long break after this and after how emotionally draining this production was. But I'm excited to see what he what he does next in this um, universe or a new universe.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I feel like he's going to stick around for, for a while. I mean, obviously, they haven't talked Secret Wars yet. I know everybody wants him to direct Secret Wars. But at the very least, he'll have a ton of Wakanda stuff to get to.
0: And I think he's going to stick around the MCU for a while. Totally. And honestly, I don't know if Secret Wars would be the right choice for Ryan Coogler at the end of the day. I mean, yeah. he is a phenomenal director, but I don't know if that is his style, but I would love to see it. You know, yeah.
1: I, I would not be mad if Ryan yeah. Coogler directed it, but I'm not sure it's going to happen either. I'm really curious to see how who they go with for Secret Wars.
0: Uh, it is a monumental task. I mean, I'm excited that Justin yeah. Daniel Cretton is getting to do King Dynasty. I think, you know, it'll be, I, I'm very curious who they give the nod to Secret Wars to, because I would assume that news would be breaking here Oh, soon, because, yeah. Yeah,
1: no, it, it's going to be a tall order for anybody, because that's going to be, that might just outdo Infinity War and Endgame um, when it comes out
0: and that's like years of pre-production too and like visual development like that's like really you have to be
1: yeah in it (laughs) and now it's not coming out till 2026 which gives them even more time to work on it
0: for sure and to sum up phase four to me I think and I think is it safe to say that you know we start with WandaVision and then we end with Wakanda Forever that phase four's main theme is just grief no question about it no question in how poetic that was that uh with the events of 2020 and COVID and stuff and this wasn't really like i don't think this was like intended y- you know this was already pre-planned ahead of 2020 but like right how impactful like these two years of marvel stories was all about grief when a lot of people were probably going through different levels of grief during these past two years absolutely and like
1: and especially like you saw it throughout the whole phase with other projects too i mean like like loki dealt, dealt with it um no way home multiverse of madness love and thunder but like you started off with you started off with wandavision which dove right into the grief stuff with wanda and vision and then this one just piled right on top of it um like it really started and ended going as far into it as you could and like They did such an incredible job kind of keeping that theme throughout the entire phase. And especially because like it was really kind of like a like a cool down period after after Endgame and everything after the Infinity Saga ended. And this is a whole new slate of stories and characters and everything. So, no, it was really cool to see them doing that.
0: I agree. And even like titles like Moon Knight, I think, had some grief elements. Oh, yeah in there hawkeye kate with losing her dad and you know just like a little different just different stuff uh throughout this phase and i think you know that's what phase four will be looked back upon on as the phase for grief it -hmm. won't be looked back upon as like really this big setup phase i think it will be more of like this was marvel's grief phase like this was like that you know, we were all going through it and they went through it too, basically. I think that's what it was.
1: Grief, detox, everything like that. Um, and and now I just can't wait to see what the themes are gonna be going into phase five and six and everything going forward.
0: I definitely think if I was a betting man, I think phase five, uh there is potential for phase five to continue being sad, at least with the first two films of the year. With, right, at least a being, couple. You know, Ant Man Lost Quantumania and then the last Guardians of the Galaxy film, I think those could be tear jerkers. Easy. Uh, Easy. but I think the rest of phase five and I think phase six may be more triumphant, maybe more upbeat. At least mm-hmm. that's what I'm assuming. Yeah. Don't know for sure. We will see. Yeah. And or one last thing um, before we get to our final consensus on of Forever, I, like most, if you're all listening to this podcast right now, I think everyone knows our final consensus on this, Richard. Like we both love this film. It was a triumph. Oh, yeah. It was an epic adventure. Yeah. It was a fitting tribute to Chadwick Boseman. I, everything worked. But before we, you know, wrap it all up nicely with a bow, we, we got to discuss Oscar chances for this because I really do think this film comes yeah. out and does a lot of things right i don't know what will be honored i mean i would hope the score would get it i would hope production design costume design some of the ones that the first black panther got i would right. hope they would get that kind of love again because i really do think the first black panther and wakanda forever are both neck and neck for me i think yeah. the first one might itch it out a bit right now now just because there might be more of a nostalgic love for it you know there might be more of that Chadwick you know that T'Challa love for it but I'm curious for you where do you think the Oscar chances lie for Wakanda Forever?
1: I think it's got it it should have a chance at a few I think the first one won three Oscars if I'm not mistaken I think it was nominated for like six or seven but I think I mean I think this is Marvel's best chance honestly at one of those acting Oscars, which has never, which the MCU has never won before, I think it's about time the MCU win one of those. Honestly, um, and whether it's whether it's Leticia Wright, whether it's Angela Bassett, uh, whether honestly, I think Tina, Tina has got a shot at at least getting nominated, and um, but I really hope this one has a good good shot at um, at getting some Oscar love. I feel like it should. I don't know if it will, but I'm really hoping so.
0: Yeah, and I don't really know the field this year yet. I haven't gotten into my Oscar season mode yet, where I'm watching the films that are getting nominated yeah. and stuff. But right. the original Black Panther was nominated for Best Picture. Don't know if what kind of forever will be just because of different things. Maybe Top Gun Maverick will get it. Maybe they'll only do one popular so. film. Yeah, me too. I hope Top Gun gets it. <laughs> yeah. um, it might be one popular film at a time. But yeah. I agree with you. I think Bassett might be their best shot. I'm very curious to see how Disney campaigns for this because if Disney wants to go hard on it, could get some noms. I mean, as much
1: as I enjoyed Multiverse of Madness and Love and Thunder, this is Marvel's shot at getting Oscars. This this movie is their best shot this year at getting it.
0: Yeah, this year for sure, for sure, and really, I think. With their upcoming films, I don't know when they'll have another true like shot, like one of those where you're like, oh, for sure they'll get a Academy Award nomination. You know, there right. might be some Disney Plus series coming up, like Daredevil and stuff that you might be like, oh, this could get an Emmy nom. This might right. get something here and there, or a Critics oh, cool. Choice, um, Golden Globe. I, I hope so too. It, it would be nice to get some um, recognition for the universe they built. Totally. But yeah, I think i i i think it will get three to four noms if you know if if they're lucky i think i just can't imagine it not because i do think i i mean this was a heck of a film yeah like like i don't know if
1: we're gonna like rank them at all before the end of the show but honestly it's knocking on the door of my top five mcu projects ever this one
0: knocking on your top five so like we're gonna do our final consensus here so it's like you're you're yeah. saying this is knocking on your top five
1: yeah i looked at my list Ooh. yesterday this okay. is like in the six seven range out of everything for me it was i think for me personally i think it outdid the first one um and and the first Ooh, okay. one was great but, yeah but um no this one was a truly special movie to me It it, it just hit at every moment and that that's how much i
0: love this one i it's funny i i don't really have a mcu film ranking or mcu project ranking to base this off of i really need to do that i really need to get that organized um me too. get it organized more but i could say and i know we're going to do this as a podcast later on a phase four film rank uh but i would say for me wakanda forever slots in at number two within phase four and no way home still remains number one but this is number two but it's like really really close together um one of the best things out of phase four and obviously one of the best things out of Marvel Studios, I mean the Black Panther trilogy. I think you know the Spider-Man trilogy and the Captain America trilogy is going to have some competition now because let's see when Black Panther three comes out. Maybe it will be in, in maybe it will be Phase seven and we'll be in a different saga by then. But it could be could end like, up being one of the best trilogies.
1: Yeah, and I'm totally with you. Spider-Man No Way Home was my top one from Phase four, but Black Panther two is right there, right there in number two. So um, no, I, I can't wait to see where this franchise goes and and how this one how this one hits with everybody.
0: Me too. I'm very curious to see how it how it does, how it continues to do at the box office. I think that will be something to watch. Really, I think yeah. that's going to be something to watch. But yeah, I'm I'm excited. We we just have a lot. We have a lot to look forward to. But you know, Richard this was it our black panther wakanda forever discussion and i think you know what else is there to say you know it's like i just think you know kugler stuck the landing on this one it was a monumental Mm -hmm. task and he pulled it off agreed like i i don't see how he could have done it any better um and, and um
1: props to him kudos to him and kudos to the team at marvel for doing the job that they did obviously r.i.p chadwick boseman we miss him like crazy but this was an absolutely hell of a movie um and what i can't wait to see again i don't know how many times we're going to be able to watch it just because of the emotions and everything but For sure. i cannot wait to see it again
0: me too this one has repeat value i can't wait mm-hmm. to watch it again and you're right um rest in peace chadwick boseman and I, this was just such a fitting tribute to chadwick boseman and definitely just i can't wait i hope disney plus does a um Behind the scenes documentary on this film and its production. It. I really think they could do a really good job with this one, might need to be more than an hour long episode. I think this one almost <laughs> deserves its own series in itself with the twists and turns that this I production, hope so. production yeah, I hope took. I, I hope it's
1: longer than an hour, but we will see.
0: Yeah. I think if people at Disney are listening to this podcast, take the notes, you know, make please. this one longer than an hour, please. <laughs> But Richard, always great to have you on. Uh, For our listeners listening, uh, where can they find you at?
1: Yeah, no, obviously, thank you so much for having me on again. It's great coming on every time. Um, I am at the direct.com. We come up with stuff every day about Marvel, DC, Star Wars, gaming. We have also started doing more general news, too, if you're not doing general movie news. I I did an Indiana Jones article today. Uh, We've done some Avatar stuff recently for Avatar 2 coming out next month. Um, You can find me on Twitter at at Richard Nebbins, uh, N-E-D-E-N-S. And uh, you can find me there. I'm writing all the time like crazy, posting stuff there. And um, yeah, check me out at
0: thedirect.com. We're, you know, your source for the universes that you love. Fantastic. And also on my end at Boardwalk Times, I still have an article in the works about the questions we still have after Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. That will be coming out shortly. And then in regards to our Boardwalk Times podcast network, more bonus episodes of this podcast are on the way. Let's just say these episodes involve phase four, phase five, and even phase six. We're covering the entire Multiverse saga come January. It's going to be absolutely bonkers. You're going to have to subscribe and follow this podcast to find out what all these episodes are going to be about. And then our weekly Disney Plus after show series that will return in 2023 with our first one of 2023 will be Scrawl Season. a Secret Invasion after show podcast. And then all for all of you Black Panther Wakanda Forever fans, we will also be doing a weekly Ironheart after show podcast series. And Richard, do you have any suggestions for that pod's name? I mean, that one I'm I'm stumped on.
1: I'll just think about that for the for the Ironheart one. That's gonna be. That's gonna be tricky to come up with, but I'll try to think of something for you.
0: <laughs> One of our columnist jokes, he was like, oh, heart of iron. And I was like, oh, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but for more Marvel content, head over to BoardWalkTimes.net or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Boardwalk Times. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe and leave us a five-star review.